0: We are live with a completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, February nineteenth, two thousand fourteen, alongside my always respected and be I don't know hoodied friend Ian Ferguson. You know I don't wear hoodies in the summer. My name is Pat Conroy. Of course you do. <clears throat> How's everyone doing, Ian? How you doing today? Uh, life is dandy. <laughs> you say a little facetiously, I think.
1: Yeah, you know, two thousand fourteen is the year that just keeps on trucking on. So, that's good, but it's barely started. We're not even one-six done with yep. it. And it's just, you know... Uh, it's shitty. It's bullshit after bullshit. Yeah, it really is. So, uh, anyway, that's enough of that. <laughs> Coming up on the show, we're going discuss,
0: to discuss a few things. Irrational games closing after, what, 17 years? We're going to discuss, uh, on YouTube issues, uh, Total Biscuit being falsely flagged for copyright because of a bad game review. Uh, we're gonna be talking about NES games. Uh, the morality of having repro games and buying them. And label replacements. And is Nintendo, is NES no longer fun to collect because it's expensive and hard? We'll also probably get into a little bit about, uh, the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movie. The trailer was just released yesterday. And a couple other fun topics. And if we have time for your Q&A, we'll take a few questions via hashtag CU podcast on Twitter. Um, so what's been going on for this week for me? Um... Doing some writing. I'm still playing the next NES Punk episode. There's been a lot of other crap going on, on the side, uh, including us filming for Video Game years 1984. That had to do that. Um, that so was fun. there should be a new NES Punk episode. God damn, there should be a new one by March 1st. And the good news is I'm writing and shooting two at the same time. So there'll probably be two in the month of month of March. If one doesn't come out in February, it'll be um, two in March. Two in March for sure. Uh, So I'm going to shoot them both at the same time. And then I have other plans for other stuff and maybe a new show. Super Rift Brothers, three out of four episodes are out. The uh, third episode came out today. Go watch it. It's Nintendo Customer Service Training. And next week's the Season 1 finale of that with Pro Jared and Breno Floss, my two uh, friends.
1: So, Irrational Games. These are the guys behind Bioshock. Even further back, the people behind System Shock, which was huge on the PC in the late 90s. Um and they are closing their doors after they release the second part of the BioShock Infinite uh, DLC Burial at Sea part 2. Um I think this is noteworthy for a couple of reasons and I think both reasons kind of take the conversation in different directions so I'll just I'll 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 make my two bullet points. Um one this is I think further proof of why the modern idea of a "Quote unquote triple A game, or a triple A game studio is uh, bad. Uh, these studios cannot support the weight of what they're producing anymore. Really? Um, when you when 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 Capcom calls something like five million sales of Resident Evil Six a failure, when something like BioShock Infinite gets the critical acclaim and the sales that it does, and these studios still have to shutter, that means they can't support themselves anymore. So what's going
0: on there? Is is the fact well, that they're just bloated? as too many employees? Too much overhead?" Every, since there's so many expectations of these big budget AAA titles that if, if only one falters a little bit, the whole thing collapses.
1: Let me let me let me try to phrase it as directly as I can. For instance, Bioshock Infinite was supposed to initially have multiplayer modes. Okay. All, right. All throughout Bioshock Infinite's um, development, there was talk of these modes that they had planned and that they had pulled out of the game. Um, BioShock, System Shock, the Shock games in general have always been heavily narrative focused. They've been first person, but the, action, the 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 focus hasn't always Nothing about any Shock game has ever screamed to me this would be great in multiplayer. Okay? Sure. So why are you going to try to shoehorn multiplayer into something? You've wasted all that time, money and resources on trying to put something into a game that doesn't need to be there. And then you pull it out. It's money wasted. So, yes, it's overreaching on the part of these AAA studios to feel like they have to include everything inside one game. There has to be side quests. Well, there has to be...
0: They're going for the entire market. Right. They're going for the multiplayer folks. They're going for the single-player story folks. The cinema. And now, unfortunately, now games are planned
1: and they're also produced as big-budget movies. Right. But all I'm saying is... We've gotten to the point where these games are costing more than what they're worth, and we're not even seeing in the final product some of these things that this money has been spent on. Sure, it's poor planning, it's poor spending, it's idiotic. Um, you look at something like, and I I didn't like it as much as past efforts. It's like maybe even Oblivion and Morrowind, but look at something like Skyrim, which just refused to put a multiplayer aspect in. Why? There's no way they could do it. It, it, it did, and it didn't siphon off their resources. You know, it's, it's smart thinking. Don't put multiplayer into something that doesn't need or beg of multiplayer everything that's a first-person shooter and i'm 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 focusing too much on multiplayer now but everything that's a first-person shooter feels like they have to put it in but you know what the servers are dead in a month and a half's time why because everyone goes back to halo or call of duty so stop trying a first-person shooter is not going to you're not going to pull a significant enough piece of that pie away from call of duty or halo or whatever the other first-person shooter is to warrant you putting this money in. so back to the original point Stop trying to put things in that are just going to get scrapped and cost money. Um, The other thing is, you know, the, I don't want to say decadence, and I don't know a whole lot about Irrational, but one of the the pictures that's been going around uh, shows a giant life-size statue of a Big Daddy from Bioshock, you know, sitting in the front office, and everything is well-designed and nicely designed. I think it's this... Situation where some of these companies start living outside of their means and they get bloated, and you know, but the the higher ups want more out of them, and then they, they can't. So that's no... a, that comes from the top, though. The fact
0: the matter is, you have to if you're running a business, you're managing something. You have to know how to spend your money wisely. You have well, to know how to plan ahead. Right,
1: that's what I'm saying, and, and I yeah. don't I don't think any of these video company video game companies really know how to do that. So there's basically, I don't want to say they don't know what they're doing, but. There's some
0: trouble in terms of maybe it's the video game culture where everyone sees another big EA and they want to be the big, everyone wants to be EA, everyone wants to be you know Ubisoft when really they should try to just hunker down and streamline and just make games and hopefully not go belly up like like
1: these guys. And I think there's a disconnect too between what they think we want and what players actually want. Um, sure. We've we'll even saying that for years. I mean, everyone's been saying that. For yeah, but time. I mean, you know, once again, you look at something like Bioshock Infinite that came out in a form that most people were happy with. I know a lot of people who didn't like it, and I've never played it, but had that been their goal going in, this streamlined-focused sort of idea that they wanted to create, they could have done it with less manpower and less money, and sure. people wouldn't be out of jobs. The second problem I have with this is how it's been phrased, and I'm not, not going to... Crucify the guy yet because I feel like uh Crucify me. I feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been said, but the way Ken Levine, the head of Irrational, has kind of worded this is that he no longer wants to work with a big game company, so he's just gonna lay all these people off and he's gonna take fifteen people and he's gonna start a smaller game company because that's going to allow him to do what he wants to do, which is make narrative focused games.
0: Versus selling the company to someone else or versus uh, splitting it and then giving up ownership and that just yeah. sounds fishy,
1: doesn't well, it? Well it does. It does. It sounds like someone else's like cop out sounds like some, it also sounds like someone else is forcing his hand. But that's gotta be the worst way to announce like two hundred plus people out of a job is be like you know what? I don't need all of you to make these games. I'm just going to grab a smaller piece of the pie, and you know, sure. go do this on my own. The thing with Irrational, though, is I think it got so linked to Levine that you can't. It have you can't nec- when you get these big name developers, right? Who who had up these companies when they leave. Too many people look at that as the company gone. So Irrational without Levine is not Irrational, is basically so, what I'm getting at.
0: According to this article, Levine has chosen to hand over the
1: Bioshock series to 2K for further development. Right, which is how they handled Bioshock 2, which got panned. Well, I don't know if it got panned, but it certainly didn't turn out it well. Was, it
0: was somewhat of a cash-in.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's what you can expect from the Bioshock series from this point forward. The, the brains behind it is gone.
0: And maybe all the artistic sort of direction.
1: Right. That made it original
0: in the first place. So, so you might want. This is his. Uh, his here's his his comment. Um, there's no way from from Levine, uh, Ken Levine. Uh, there's no great way to lay people off, and our first concern is to make sure that the people who are leaving have as much support as we can give them during this transition. Besides financial support, the this, this staff will have access to the studio for a period of time to say their goodbyes and put together their portfolios. Other Take Two studios will be on hand to discuss opportunities within the company, and we'll be hosting a recruiting day. <laughs> inside their own studio,
1: I guess, where we'll, we'll be giving third-party studios and publishers a chance to hold interviews with departing Irrational staff. You just got shit-canned, but let's have a job fair with free donuts before you take off. It, the, the truth of the matter is, in video games, this is how it works. People don't necessarily get... The, a lot of those people in that 200 probably were not permanent members of Irrational. And this is part of the problem with game development as it is now. These... these these guys who do all this work, these guys and girls who do all this work, they don't have any fucking job security. Mm-hmm. They get hired on for the duration of a game, and then it's well, too bad you have to go find another job. Yeah, but it's almost like know, it's almost
0: like they're, they're they're you know contract jobs, but not really. Yeah,
1: but now you know the entire studio is getting disbanded, which just makes matters worse so my heart goes out to anyone who's been affected by this um if there's anything i've learned about studios being disbanded it's that other studios look out for other programmers you know graphic designers artists everyone in the field they really look out for each other and i think a lot of these people are going to land on their feet sure. and that's good um what's bad is the video game model that has got us to this point where this is a regular occurrence
0: well yeah that I means i look at i look at it once you get to this large level, like I said, it's it's almost like a movie company. So from from job to job, you could have the same core team set for certain parts of the game. You'll have one, hopefully, team of the 3D modelers. You know, one could be the art art design. You know, one part could be, you know, the gameplay. I don't know. You see what I mean? There'll, there'll be teams that move from job to job, hopefully. Sure,
1: but it, should it... it I, I kind of get what you're saying. Like, if each team moves as a unit and they get some clout and some name for themselves, but yeah. it would be better for everyone if... You could just, if each studio can nail down their core, there'd be consistency among games. You know, there'd be consistency among sequels. um, You know, in that sort of environment, creative things grow. I mean, that's how. So you're saying it may not happen enough. That's how Irrational happened. You know, I mean, like, they they, they got there by having core people. Um, Bullfrog was a solid development house for so long because, you know, they, they worked with similar people in the same teams and they got these great ideas that started in one game and matured in another game, and you, you sure. when you fragment the industry up like that, you, you're not going to get that. So, end, end of an era,
0: I guess? Well, I mean, they're still going to well, put out some some Bioshock games in the future, no, but they won't the, be the same. Well, yeah, Irrational's
1: <laughs> putting out the last DLC, like I said. They'll put out Bioshock... Ga- 2K will put out Bioshock games, and, you know, Ken Levine's team is going to move on and do digital releases that are going to be narrative-focused. And the only good thing I can say, the only thing that I can hope that comes out of this is that Levine, is, and I I don't want to think he is, but isn't as egocentric as what's being printed makes him sound, but two, maybe this is what needs to happen before we start and we get back to a good spot in this. Maybe we do need to see a lot of this happen where people hunker down and focus into 15-person teams where they all are on the same page and they, they make these games And maybe that'll last. Maybe that's a relationship that'll last. Maybe his new 15-person unit will be far more rock-solid. Do you get what I'm saying? But
0: can you put out, let's just say there's a new Bioshock game, would you be able to put that out with a 15-person team? A game of that scale?
1: I just, I don't know. No, you you wouldn't be able to. But what I'm saying is, I mean, I'm hoping we're getting to the point where maybe from the ground up, people will pick and choose a little bit better and end up with teams that they want to keep for the long run. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, It sucks. I'm I'm tired of flipping on the computer every month and seeing that 200 people in the video game industry that just put out a game that sold millions of fucking copies are out of jobs.
0: The bad part about it too is that it sort of stunts creative growth because you're going to try to play it safe and do like we always make fun of Call of Duty sort of sort of franchise where they put out the same game every year because they know it's financially viable and don't go into artistic direction. Well,
1: but this, this yeah. turned out... It seemed like this was financially viable, but yes, you're kind of on the same page as what I was saying earlier. But was it wasn't, though, because it wasn't like you were seeing a Bioshock game even
0: every three years. They, You know, there's the amount of space in between was, was, was larger.
1: Oh, no, it was. You know? What I'm saying is it stumps creative growth. Yes, that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like, if you keep moving people around and you can't keep... One group of people focused on one idea or one story arc, it's never going to blossom into what you hope it's going to blossom into. And yeah, you're just going to get cookie cutter bullshit. All right, so hopefully these 200 plus employees have a good donut job fair. I, I think and it might even they, be more. I don't have the full number of people let go. I, I want to say it was in the two, 200 to 250 range. But you're saying in general, that uh, this does not bode well for the industry. No, I don't think it bode so, well. I mean,
0: that with a lot of things. There's always bloat, and then it comes back. I like to always compare it to, the, to to movies because that's exactly what that is. I, I mean, there was a period in the in the '70s where it went the power went away from Hollywood to smaller, more independent auteurs, you know, and then it boomerangs back to big blockbuster movies. And now we're sort of in a spot where, fortunately, with with crowdsourcing, you can have for both games and movies, you can have stuff that's more more I guess more compact, you know, and and more artistic vision. And you get to directly say, "Hey, this is what we want to see," and put the money to that. So who knows? Who knows what will happen in the future?
1: Anyway, <laughs> moving on. We're having a frustrating day in general. So what's going what's going on with uh, Total Biscuit on YouTube? So Total Biscuit is a YouTube reviewer. Um, most people know of him, British fellow, and he does a lot of reviews. Um, he also covers a bunch of indie games, and he has a segment called, you know, uh, WTF. So this is not the first time he's been in, He's gotten into this sort of problem. Um, he reviewed a game a while back called uh, Day One Gary's Dilemma or something like that, okay. and it was awful. You know, he kind of, you know, took some cracks at it, did a video, and the people flagged well,
0: what, him. Why don't you explain what Toll Biscuit what he actually does?
1: So he's a YouTube reviewer who reviews PC games. He has a huge, a huge following. Huge follower. Two hundred fifty thousand. About what? Why this matters is before we get into the rest is. Uh, and this is true for lots of people, you know, Pat, I'll, the majority but, of this guy's money comes through ad revenue. YouTube. Yes. Through ad revenue. Okay, You can get a strike on your YouTube account for breaking copyright. Or you, not even. Not even, right. <laughs> or, or being allegedly yeah. breaking copyright. You get, what, three strikes, and they can shut down your entire account, which means that yes. your entire source of revenue, your job, your livelihood, your income is fucked. Uh so anyways that's total biscuit. He's dry, he's sarcastic, he's fairly humorous. He recently did a review uh of a game called uh Guys of the Wolf by a company called Fun Jesus I don't even remember fun something. I mean they're, they're... fun something. Fun something. They're, 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 and and he got a strike placed on his account. He assumed that Fun Fun whatever put the uh strike on their account. ...on his account because he had given it a negative review. Sure. They claimed that that was not the case. He then received a threatening email from them... ...saying that he does not know who they are... ...and they can shut down his entire channel... ...and they have all the money in the world... ...and they can fly lawyers over to the UK if they need to... ...to make this a real claim. So, basically... Just just because he didn't give a good review. Right. This company, as it was later shown basically a bunch of we don't know how old they are but it's essentially a bunch of rich kids Uh, De- and, and the game developed the game and put it out and it's awful and he reviewed it and now he got a strikeout and the thing is is like i said that it's not it, it, it's it's beyond his livelihood at stake it, it's entered bullying um and you know a, a bad review can hurt but it's not taking away someone's entire source of income sure. which is what these people are aiming to do.
0: right, let's back up a second.
1: So, the later half of
0: of last year, it it was announced that basically flagging of material on YouTube would go back to the way it used to be. So basically what would happen in the past was you'd submit a YouTube video. And it doesn't go through a person screening it. What happens is it's automated. It checks for uh, video, um, checks for audio matches of stuff, I guess, in their massive library of people that sign on to you to say, hey, this is our material, we want to see if it's flagged," And also even images, to some extent. So how it used to be was, if you're on a network, and I believe he's a part of uh, GameStation. I think he's
1: Polaris. Uh, Polaris, which was, it's the GameStation. Okay, okay. okay. Maker Studios is the umbrella. Yes, yeah. Um, And Maker Studios, by the way, uh, verified that it was the game's company that flagged it. So so if you're a part
0: of of one of these... um, networks i'm a part of one most of the big youtubers i'd say 99 are part of these networks it used to give you protection it gave you a layer of protection of like a buffer if you will because before you get attacked by a big studio or sometimes they would just take your ad revenue and, and they'll let you know this is copyright flagged but you, they're going to be you know we're still going to show ads but part of the deal is you can you can show the video but this company i'll tell you the company they're basically going to take the ad revenue they wouldn't tell you that they're taking all or some of it, but you can check your own stats, and if you're getting none from it, you're getting none from it. For example, I'm on Nintendo Hemium uh, raps, Rhapsody you saw do it, I don't make any money on that. That's claimed. That's that's claimed. They used to be claimed, claimed by EMI, who actually did I don't think own the rights, but then it now it's claimed I think by Freddie Mercury's estate. Either way, um, so so what happened was before is that you had a buffer protection, so they'd have to go through your network reps in order to strike down your account. That changed in the later half of last year. So all of a sudden, literally overnight, some some networks told their their uh, producers, some didn't for whatever reason. Some were bad. Um, all of a sudden, you wake up dozens of flags. All of a sudden, all your videos making money. They're not making money. And now all of a sudden, you have to go fight these. It's a burden. Burden proof is now on you. Right. That's part of the issue with this whole uh, flagging system now is that anyone, and I mean, a lot of people are getting flagged for stuff that um, wasn't even flagged by the original game company. They were flagged by these other third parties coming in and nefariously claiming all this stuff was theirs when it wasn't. That was a big mess, and that's probably still going on. That was a big mess the first couple of months. So I'm guessing what, what happened here is that his his buffers, uh, Total business Biscuits buffer protection is gone, so these guys are saying, well, like I said, we have money, we have lawyers, we don't like the review, let's just snap our fingers, and that, that video is, is pulled, which is obviously bullshit. Because there is something called fair use uh, when it comes to uh, reviews and using and using uh, footage of a game. Yeah. So I've I've been I've been somewhat lucky myself personally. And the reason a lot of people made these big YouTube videos about it, uh, I had about six or seven videos flagged. But I'm gonna be honest, three or four of them deserved it. Uh, Nintendo Human Rhapsody is the one that was kind of borderline because with that I could have argued parody, but it's it's either satire or parody, and satire is not covered by Fair Use parody is. So it wasn't worth it at the time to go after it. I can't stack up to you know EMI's lawyers, but whatever. And a few others though, Nintendo flagged me using uh, like a few Super Mario 2 and Super Mario 3 songs and some old flea market Madness videos right have it in the background for like 30 seconds. Didn't fight it. Probably can, maybe maybe win one or two, but whatever. Um but this is a this is a larger issue though, because there's no it seems not like that on YouTube, there's no oversight on what's going on with the copyright flagging. That's a problem. Um, and they can't they can't have humans sitting there and judging each one since there's millions and millions of YouTube videos you know hundreds of thousands being uploaded every day you know so so I'm not sure what what the solution is what's to prevent other uh, gaming companies from sweeping in and doing something similar but this is the biggest the biggest one we've seen but what if this was a guy who only had a few hundred uh, subscribers maybe they wouldn't care because he doesn't have a big reach but I'm just saying in, in a theoretical world that person that, that person would with get a few, crushed would get crushed and you wouldn't hear from him again you know, but this is but this is bad. Uh, what game company is
1: this? Fun. So look up Guys of the Wolf. G U I S E. Fun something. They're fucking assholes either way because they actually threatened to take Total Biscuits YouTube channel down. Oh, they they actually sent them. Or or told, told they then they, 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 they then which they sent, can't do
0: they have no legal basis for doing. By they the way. sent
1: him a later email that said, "Remove the video." remove all your tweets about the situation, and take down your channel. On what basis would that be done, I don't you know? know? There's been a lot of speculation, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if these were, like, some 18-year-old kids who really just don't get how this fucking shit works. How, how the hell they make a video game? Yeah, I guess from, what I, from, I, from what, you... what I heard, they didn't really make one. It wasn't, hey, it, it wasn't really playable. But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I you know, I, I have no I have no investment in Total Bits because I've seen maybe two of his reviews. I thought they were... You know, for what they were YouTube videos, that's fine, but I do feel bad that w- there's a situation where these people who are trying to make their money in a new form of media yeah. uh, have to deal with this sort of bullshit because people are petty. You know, if if, if you can't handle, I mean, they've, they've always said it, if you can't handle critique, you can't get into art. Whether you want to call video games art or not is whatever, but, you know, if you if you can't handle critique, then you shouldn't write. You shouldn't make music, you shouldn't make video games, you shouldn't make anything for public consumption if you can't handle we, critique. We shouldn't be making a podcast. Well, we probably shouldn't be making a podcast. <laughs> it's completely unnecessary. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see how this plays out. But,
0: like like you said, I mean, are they even both... Are, 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 is both the Total Biscuit and this Fun Studio is what a great name. Are they even both based in the same country? If not, uh, trying to, even trying to bring a slander or libel case is extremely hard in different countries. And supposedly, this, com- you know?
1: this company, I believe, is located in Jordan, is what they said. And you know, Total Biscuit is located in the UK. So, tell them, tell them to go, go after themselves, basically. Right. Yeah, you know, and and unfortunately, if Maker Studios and they should go to bat for him, they'll have his back legally. But apparently, they do. Like when 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 they came out and said that when Fun Studios or whatever it was came out and said that it wasn't them, uh, it seemed like Total Biscuit bought it for a tweet or two. And then the the guy from Maker Studios, like one of the heads of Maker Studios, or guy, you know... VP, chim- it was a VP. Yeah. yeah, VP chimed in and was like, nope, that was them. Like, absolutely. It's still, it's still, this
0: whole copyright YouTube issue is still sort of ironing itself out. It's not, it's not as bad as it was the first month, it was havoc for people. All of a sudden, people weren't making any money anymore, and you had, the, of course, the, some ass was like, well, you shouldn't count on YouTube as a revenue stream. And it's like, why not? Now, it's YouTube's been around for like six, seven years, and it, there's been ads on YouTube for like four... Four and a half years now. Why can't it be a revenue stream right. for people? It's it's like anything else. Now. It's a new form of media. Accept it. It's not going to go away. Uh, online, you know, media, especially streaming. So that's all I have to say on it. Like I said, my, my my copyright issues. Unfortunately, you know, me giving a bad review to uh, I don't know the last Starfighter. You know, I'm not going to have Mindscape coming after me. Hopefully, you know,
1: I don't know if they're even around still.
0: But I was just saying. But you're saying they've had the power to try to shut me down because I'm talking trash about them. Jeez, James Rolfe would be in trouble then. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's that's for sure. All right.
0: What else is going on here?
1: Um, did you see the Guardians of the Galaxy Uh, intro trailer? I did. Um, I think it's interesting for... Well, I thought it looked good. I I thought it looked amusing enough that I'm going to go see it. Um... I was pleasantly surprised that Rocket Raccoon does not look like complete and total shit
0: he doesn't look like a, just a cartoon animal he looks like a real yeah, for Rocket, lack of a better term he looks like a Rocket
1: real Rocket Raccoon looks kind of actually exactly real. how to, I'd expect him to um, it's going to be fun to see a comic booky type popcorn movie take on intergalactic sci-fi for yes. the first time in quite some time. Like, that's going to be a lot of fun. Just to switch it up, get us away from the normal superheroes, capes, saving the planet Earth sort of thing. That's going to be fun. Well, let's just um, play what
0: Guardians of the Galaxy is.
1: It's a ragtag group of like. It started, I think, in the 70s. And it's, and it's a rotating group, too. In the 70s,
0: was a totally different group than it was now. Yeah. I don't think they're even connected, really. I th- I th- <laughs> um,
1: they're all. I th- Howard the Duck was a member of Guardians of the Galaxy at one
0: point. So it's it's intergalactic other side of the galaxy stuff it's not really connected to the to the earth really no um, and they go and they're a ragtag group of misfits basically it's a misfit superhero group if
1: you can call them that it, it's know. it's like west coast avengers in space
0: all right i think i not giving the west coast avengers enough enough credit but all right <laughs> iron man was on the west coast avengers
1: i mean you know, everyone was a west coast i love the west avengers. coast <laughs> avengers him <Hemp laughs> and, and tigra come on you had hawkeye on there I, I, yeah i do like hawkeye anyway so yeah, it's an outer space ragtag group, and it's it's going to be more. It's definitely going to be different than your usual what you think from that something from Marvel is going to be. This is not superheroes in any traditional no. sense of the word. I,
0: and and I like it because um, at least from the I know I, the only thing I knew about it was that it existed. I mean, I it's one of those titles where I, I collected comics as a teenager, so it'd be one of those things you might see. Oh, there's Guardians of the Galaxy. Flip through. That's all I knew. I Never read one in my life. Right. Um, but then you start hearing people's back, yeah, they're making this movie with this, like, little furry raccoon that mouths off and shoots machine guns. You're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Like, they're really going to do something like that? And it's like, if they're going to do a movie with not even B-listers, a bunch of C-list, you know, Marvel characters. It's like, okay, this is kind of strange. Like, I guess Marvel's kind of feeling, feeling good now. And if you, if you even told me four years ago you would not have a major, you'd have a Marvel movie coming out. Like, this is big budget. This is like, you know, $150 million right. movie. This isn't cheap. Uh, if, if you told me then that you'd have a big marvel movie coming out with a huge budget that wasn't a big superhero like this is like this is like the same thing as if they did a cloak and dagger movie yeah you know what i mean like this is i'd say cloak and dagger are more well known than guardians of the galaxy at least sure. overall in the history of comics they are you know what i mean so it's like so it's it's surprising and it's cool because they're taking a risk this isn't, this isn't a slam dunk like Avengers, you know. I,
1: I want to see it do well because, I think I got this from a website, but someone referred to it as uh, Marvel's entering their deep cut era. Yes, you know? I saw that too. Yeah, yeah and, and I'm happy for that because that means we might get a uh, Doctor Strange. We might get... That's in the works. We might get an Iron Fist, you know. I would love to That's see... That's been rumored for five, yeah, six years. I would love to see any of these. And I think by taking something so far out there like Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a barometer for them. If yes. this... Can do it, then we can do it with anyone else in our universe. Yes. If, it it if, basically means it doesn't have to be an established character, right? If 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 if, if we can make these no ones from yeah. space uh, something that makes us money, then we can take even slightly slightly known characters.
0: And even though this is this is a comic that's existed since like for thirty plus years, in this iteration, it's only been like five years or so. Like in this sort yeah. of what they're Not really even sure. Of?
1: I know they they rebooted it again recently, and here's the thing that's interesting to me. You know, people started getting hints of Guardian of the Galaxy when Marvel vs. Capcom came out and Rocket Raccoon was in there, okay? Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Sort of
0: slipped it in. Right.
1: There. And then, you know, Marvel started building it up and they started talking about, you know, possibly doing a movie. And everyone was like, oh, what is this? And then Marvel reboots it. And from everything I've heard, the Guardians of the Galaxy reboot is fucking trash. Like, no one likes it. But it doesn't matter because at this point, Marvel's movies. is... I mean, honestly, doesn't they, matter. The they have doesn't enough matter. clout, people like yeah. them enough, that it's going to stand on its own regardless yeah. of what's happening the with com- the comic. The good thing about Disney owning them, the comics could fucking not make a cent. It doesn't matter. The movies right. are going to make a ton of money. So, even if people didn't like the Guardians of the Galaxy comic, it doesn't really say anything about how well the movie's going to no, do. Nothing. Both in terms of its quality because, and people going to only,
0: see Because only .01% of the public has heard of it before the movie right. anyway. I could be so, wrong.
1: I mean, I'd be willing to check this, out that comic, but
0: I just haven't heard much good. But that, that's why I like it though. They're taking a risk. From the trailer intro, which is a perfect intro trailer, it doesn't give away the plot at all. It shows you who the
1: characters are. It sets the tone, which trailers have forgotten to do that without giving away a plot. I see. I like I like the trailer for that because I hate. I actually don't watch trailers for movies I want to see because they always give away too much. But this one, it was like you don't know these characters, so here's a brief minute and a half intro to who they are, the characters,
0: and you get to see a couple um, snappy
1: one liners. uh, Michael Riley, Michael Riley, Michael C. Riley.
0: You you screwing up the name is now screwing up me trying to correct you. <laughs> Something, C. Riley. Um, there's a lot of big actors in this. Yeah, you have Glenn Close in it, mm-hmm. Benicio del Toro, who actually had a cameo in of Thor two as the collector. Um, but but uh, what, what's the uh the the main character, the guy from Parks and Recreation, Chris Pratt as Star Lord. Chris Pratt's a guy who's on the rise, but he's not a household name.
1: No,
0: uh, Parks and Recreation is a popular show. Hugely popular? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah you
1: know. I would say so. You
0: think it's hugely popular? Yeah. Okay. Um, But on that show, he wasn't even like a heartthrob. He was just this schlubby guy. He gets this film. Marvel sees his acting chops. He was in Zero Dark Thirty, which I saw was really excellent. He was a Navy SEAL and that. Probably had two lines the last half hour of the movie. He was in a Moneyball. I had a part in that as, I think, the first baseman. So he's been he's been acting, but he's not a guy you, you put on this ten-pole picture like this. But he gets to the role. He gets ripped for it. And again, we talked about this in the past I love Marvel Studios because they're not going out and getting leading men. They're getting out guys that they know can do
1: the yeah, role. Yeah, they're they're not getting brains or bronze or looks. They're they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. They're they're casting to the role, and that is. Oh well, fuck it! I'm not talking about it this week. But anyways, yeah. You're
0: Not talking about what movie? What movie? Ian? Batman
1: vs Superman. Not oh, talking it's about all in the blanks.
0: <laughs> but no, they got him, and they're surrounding the star. With bigger actors, right? John C. Riley, not Michael C. Riley. Whatever. Glenn Close, Benicio del Michael Rooker has, has a role. Karen Gillian, who was in uh, Doctor Who, Zoe Saldana as as Gamora, and Vin Diesel as Groot, and, and uh, the voice of Rocket Raccoon is Bradley Cooper. Awesome. So, they're insulating their star, which is again smart. Their star, who's on again on the rise, I think he's going to be in the new Jurassic Park movie that's coming out next year. So, by the time that comes out, by the time this movie comes out, he'll be a hit. He'll be a, a, a rising star if he isn't already. And then by next year, he'll be huge. Um, but, yeah. But still, again, it looks interesting. They're taking an
1: artistic risk, which is, again, why I love it. I think there is going to be a Doctor Strange movie, which I think will be great. Yeah, I just I, I hope that my guess to their strategy is what their strategy is, because I think it's pretty, it's pretty good for companies sitting where they are. Cast the line so far out, and then just yeah. reel it back in and yeah. catch everything. Catch yeah. everything.
0: Because this is probably the most outlandish... Uh, comic movie they could do. Can you think of one more outlandish than this, other than, like, Devil Dinosaur? No, like, I'd love do? to
1: see, like, I was going to say Moon Knight, but no, Moon Knight would make more sense than this. Like, I'll likely see, like, if this works... Moon Knight is more well-known than this. Yeah, exactly. And I love Moon Knight, so there's a chance that, you know, maybe we will. Like, if this works, like I said before, anything the goes. sky's the limit. Yeah. Alright, well, it's
0: August 1st. I'm going to see it. This is going to be a pretty cool uh next few months with uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I loved the first Amazing Spider-Man. I thought it was way better than all three uh, Spider-Man films. You have X-Men uh, Days of Future Past, which follows up the excellent uh, first class, which you still have to see. Yeah, those I do need to see. Captain America Winter Soldier looks great. Um, and Probably better than the first one, because the first one has to deal with the origin. Does that it, always does takes it, forever. Does, does Winter Soldier look cool? That's where I'm going to end this segment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, onwards. Thanks for killing it. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> All right. Anytime. Uh, So we can talk about a few other things. We can do a short Q&A if you want. By the way, Q&A at CU Podcast Hashtag if you want to get your questions in. Live chat listeners. Um, This has come up somewhat before. And I'll tweet this out while you begin the discussion. Um, The opinions of, uh, I guess, the ethic basis, morality, if you will, of reproduction NES games that weren't released, I guess, in your region or that were not re- released at all. W- where... Where do, where do you
1: stand on this, Ian? The people who... S- okay. First of all... I look at this as different than something like a, a burn. But let me... So... The first thing is, the, the people who were originally going to make money off of this are no longer making money off of it. Whether you buy a legitimate copy of the game secondhand from Japan in the Japanese language, or you get an English translation reproduction card to play the game. Sure. Okay, So I don't really feel like you're stealing any money from anyone. I don't necessarily feel like people should necessarily profit off of someone else's work. Although, I also don't feel like paying them a little bit for soldering, wiring, for their flashing in the services is outlandish. Sure. Don't, I don't think that's a problem. Um, I do take slightly more issue with destroying cartridges to make repros like but, like destroying a batman return a joker to make a mr gimmick but I think it's there's plenty of things <laughs> that you can make from very common cartridges sure like uh, double dribbles and, and top guns so it's not a clear-cut yes or no answer i think it's you know a, a very multifaceted answer but at the base of it if you want me to say do i think there's a problem with someone playing a reproduction suite home on their nintendo something that you can't pass off as something that it isn't because it never existed I don't have a problem with that at the base of it. I really don't. Well, let's talk about who does it actually hurt. You alluded to it. It's
0: something I actually brought up in my humorously over the top, in a way, in my Flintstones Surprise Dinosaur Peak review, how I was commenting about how you should emulate Flintstones Dinosaur Peak because scalpers have ruined the market on that. And so you're not really hurting anyone but those scalpers. You're not hurting... Taito doesn't give a shit. You know? They're out of that secondary market. The The only ones it really affects are the people making those repro games and people that are involved with retro game stores. That's the only possible parties that it could
1: affect. And like, like I said, here's the thing. The pricing has got to get to a point where I think it's justifiable where the person who's making it is getting compensated for their actual labor, because I know people who do this, and sure. it takes work and their parts. Um, but, you know, you don't, like I said, you don't want to making money off something that isn't theirs. Here's a good example. Look at look at texts that have entered uh, the public domain, okay? One that I really like, the Divine Comedy, Okay. Public domain, right? But you can go to Barnes and Noble and you Still can buy it, and you can buy it. And sure. why? Because they had the foresight to fucking print it in a large volume and bind it and give it to they're, you in a nice hardback. Yeah,
0: they're taking the the financial initiative and risk and but, putting it out.
1: But they're only but they're only selling something like that. And the Divine Comedy is a thick book. You could kill an intruder with it, and it's tall. They're only charging like ten bucks for it. So sure. I don't feel bad because I'm not paying them for the Divine Comedy. I'm paying them to have a bound edition of it. Do you get what I'm saying? And like, you know, I, I think that's okay. And the author who escapes me, when I read Dante's
0: Inferno, he's dead. I don't think he's around anymore, so... Uh, Dante Alighieri. Yeah, so he's gone. <laughs> so he can't get any money, so it's the same thing. Who, yeah, dead who, a long who, time. Who gets affected? This is the way I look at it. This is kind of the way I always looked at looked at uh, piracy of music. And the way I justified at least to me, was... I am not going out and buying the best of the disco era CD. If you put a gun to my head, I won't. So if I download a few disco songs, that that's not money that would have went somewhere. It's in a void, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. That's the that's the way I always looked at it. I don't know. See, that to me is a bit trickier. I'm it, not going it, out. I'm not going out to even a secondhand store and buying the disco songs. I'm, I would just go without. Honestly, that's how I look at it. With with the games now, yeah, with the games, you can say I would have gone without too. But I think it's a little bit different because, um. At least with, with with games versus music and games you spend a lot more time with games than with a, a three minute song and it's a more interactive experience. and if you really want Mr. Gimmick like on a system to play like me, I think it, it, your options are, are are limited when it comes to that. Sure.
1: so you know repro cards of something that was clearly never released here What's on Mr gimmick with the caveats that I'd mentioned before, I really have no massive problem with it. You know, Don't overcharge for it, but at the same point in time, don't be the person who overpays for it. Um, and kind of be mindful of what you're buying. If you know that they had to sacrifice something rare and hard to come by for it, then don't. You know, but as time goes on, we're gonna find mass-produced boards that are gonna allow people to do reproductions easier. Well, you can buy them now. I'm yeah, such. yeah, I you know mass-produced, but you can but, buy. But them. I mean, you'll, you know, eventually you'll get them. I'm sure you think, you, you'll you get
0: them th- cheaper. You think you'll get to the point where you'll have a a, a board ready to go with a device you can just flash anything you want to it? Yes, easily, I do. If you think you get do. to that point?
1: Yeah. So, I really think that's possible. I think we're going to get to the point where we don't have to worry about what it's damaging. And then you just have to make sure that, you know, you're okay with, you know, the transaction that's going on. If you feel comfortable with it, then go for it. So, I'm distracted. I don't see my Mr. Gimmick heart, so I'm freaking out here. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can we focus on the podcast for a minute? No! Um, so when it
0: comes to Repro Labels, that's where probably me and you agree that that's, that's a lot different. Okay, that's
1: that's very different. A it's, lot different. This is why. Go. And, and, okay, here's here's my first thing. Before we even get into talking into if they should be okay or not, let me ask anyone who's a collector. Here's my problem with Repro Labels. I don't believe that anyone who actually says they want them to replace a label can is either honest or can qualify themselves as a collector. And here's why. Look at things like antiques. Look at other collectibles, okay? Sure. Um, if you do if 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 you do um, refurbishing work on an old antique table, you take the value of it down because it's no longer what it was. It's not the original. If it- someone if someone had reproduction sleeves for all of my Brian Eno records. I'd say, no, I don't want them. It doesn't matter it's, how pristine they look because it's not the original thing. It's it's like comic books when you get them restored. The, the value drops right. precipitously. You, you take what you can, like this F-15 City War, with its dings, it's its character, but it's original. Sure. So, so if you're telling me that you want to do that for your collection, then I'm going to tell you you're not a collector because then you're far more concerned about aesthetics than anything else. And that's fucking ridiculous. Two, um, if that's well, actually... Well, here's a well, here's big thing, too. The label does not affect the gameplay at all. No, It doesn't affect the game. But here's my other thing, and this is where people will argue it. Um, So put something on there that says reproduction, right? They're like, no, 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 it doesn't look the same. No, if all you're doing it for is so that you can tell yourself that your label looks prettier, then you should not matter if there is some distinguishing mark in some corner that that someone someone can check for that says reproduction. If someone looks at it at a glance, they're not going to notice. But at least then, people like myself, other buyers, resellers, know what to look out for, yeah. so they know they're not getting bullshit. And that's
0: what that's why I don't like, and that's why when you have the, these douchebags now selling repro Flintstones dinosaur peak labels on eBay to replace to replace the damaged labels, like there's so many damaged labels of carts out there for Flintstones dinosaur peaks that they have like thirty available at once for sale for five bucks a pop. Um, you you are now affecting something that's a lot different than a repro cart that's obviously different you're now affecting uh, s- the secondary market more directly because now you have potential for scamming potential for people getting ripped off right if now, someone, that, if someone... that, that's a, that's a lot different than a repo cart where it's very hard to get ripped off by a repo cart because it looks it, it looks different on the outside and the inside
1: right if someone comes into me say, at work and they put down Wampaku Graffiti in a Nintendo case and they put down a Flintstones Dinosaur Peak, I can immediately look at the Wampaku Graffiti and go okay, cool repro, dude. I'll give you a, you know, what'd you pay? Let me look it up. I'll give you a few bucks. Someone will buy it. That's fine. But the Dinosaur Peak, I'm gonna look at and be like, I don't even... Dude, at this point, I gotta tell you, if someone brought a Dinosaur Peak into me, I'd probably send it back with them. I probably would not trust them on it. Well, or yeah, I'd open it you up. You have to open it up. I'd, I'd open it up. But I just,
0: I, I, it honestly wouldn't be worth the hassle. You might as well open up and call your good buddy Pat down to verify it. You know, I can verify it myself. Thank you very much. Well, I have one I could look at. <laughs> against. Well, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that that's hurting the market. I think that's hurt some of the. I, we, we talked about the peak of uh, maybe the Hind NES games. Who knows? Um, there, there's a guy named uh, uh, Games trade One, his name's John, mm-hmm. who I actually know. He's a he's a guy on YouTube. He does uh, pretty good re- reviews of like systems and, and old games, and he talked about recently how uh, NES is no longer fun to collect for because the value um, is just so high and it's hard to get the games. And we, I know we talked about collecting a, a lot before, but. it, it I think if it gets to that point, you you have to look in the mirror and say,
1: "Why are you collecting games?" Yeah, you have to reassess why um, you're doing this. I would. This is my response to that. If you wanted to talk about the Turbo Graphics, or better example, Neo Geo AES, okay, you can look at the Neo Geo AES and be like. Yeah, everything's way too fucking expensive. The barrier to entry is really expensive, um, and the, the the games that I can buy for the money have been re-released a million times elsewhere for you know sure. nineteen dollars for a pack of twenty. Okay, uh, to a lesser extent, Turbo is getting really expensive, and it's a small library. Okay, but you know what? The Nintendo library is seven hundred fifty plus games, tons, and of there's a hundred really great games that you can get for under fifteen dollars. Ninja Gaiden, eight dollar game. Right. Yeah. Tons. I'm just saying tons. So if it's, it, no i i think that's bullshit if you're collecting to be a completionist if if you have to have every one yeah it's getting a bit pricey gunsmoke awesome game what amazing is game 7 dollar game 7 dollar game 6 game. bucks yeah so if but if you just want to play games if you want to make your own little curated collection I would say don't buy that. That doesn't mean... I understand to a degree, I don't I don't love it, but I understand what he's saying sure. for a certain type of collector, but for the type of person who comes, say, into Luna, who just wants to play some Nintendo games and have some fun and play some old school shit, no, there's still plenty of great stuff that you can get for a reasonable I'm, price. I'm looking at Cobra Triangle right there. I don't know why. That game's awful. You like Cobra Triangle? No, I fucking hate Cobra Triangle. Oh, I, th- okay. I think it gets shitty real quick. But, oh, but the, I think it's fine. That's like a three dollar game. Adventures of Dino Ricky, Lolo, Lolo Two, even Lolo Three is not that expensive. We're just going through the whole library of games. I mean, Bionic Commando, ten dollar game. Balloon Fight, uh, you know, uh, Ducktales. Some
0: people like Goonies too. That's a three dollar game.
1: Goonies 2. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: just saying, I don't like
1: Goonies. 2. Faxanadu is like the uh, Fak and Batman are two of like my favorite games on the system, you know and what? they're five bucks. Can you, not bucks. Afford, you can't afford the, the twelve dollars for baseball stars. Get Little League Baseball. Right, that's a exactly. great baseball so game. I don't. I, I think it's. If yes, if you're a completionist collector, sure. Then this. Then the market's getting harsh for you.
0: But if you're a gamer, slash, there's some people that are gamers slash, slash collectors. They should be fine. You're fine. They should be fine. You can there's probably way too many games.
1: You could probably look. I cut my collection down from four hundred to hundred. You can probably get up to three hundred without breaking much you of a monetary what? sweat right now.
0: You know what? You want to do this? Uh, this is semi piracy. Go out and get yourself a multi car, a supervision for like thirty five bucks, thirty bucks, twenty bucks. You get a hundred games. There's a lot of cool games on there if you want to do that. You know, if you don't care about having the actual game you want to play. But again, I think that's That's why, unfortunately, when you talk about collecting, some people say they're separate from gamers. I think it's hard to separate it unless you are totally someone that doesn't care about the games at all. Then, obviously, you're just a collector. But, no, the library is too big. Uh, to, right, to and that, 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 that's
1: my that's my main thing. The library is not uniformly expensive, like something like the AES, and the library. Or, is not, graphics or even, yeah. Or the, and the library is not ridiculously small, like the TurboGrafx. There's a, there's a whole sh- ton of games out there.
0: They don't have to be all be Little Samsons, you know. The few games that are both you know very good. expensive and, and good. That's the other thing the, I think people forget. There's not that many of these.
1: And, and and there's a joke on uh, there's a joke online. Yeah, the label's not bad. Among great, keep bragging amongst collector <laughs> <laughs> circles. Um. The rarest games, the ones that are going to cost you the most money, oftentimes aren't the most fun to play. There's a reason why a lot of these are rare. That's the reason why I hate stadium events. Yeah, <laughs> Little, Little Samson is. You're right. It's a great game. It's one of the few that's actually you know really fun and expensive.
0: Oh, excuse me. It's a Shockwave, but or it could have been Death Race. Look exactly the same. They're both games by uh, ACGI, yeah, except right? for the
1: fact that Death but Race would be. They're with all the fucking D's. terrible.
0: I, but it's the same. There's, not, there's only five games that look like this, and Chiller. They're all terrible, <laughs> but they're expensive. That's
1: my point. Actually, this used to be a game only cost like 10 bucks. Yeah, Shock, I, I actually bought Shockwave for 10 Why? I don't know, I got rid of it soon after. The, the NES is a deep library. The reason I love it because there's games in there that I even forget are games. Yeah, They're like, wow, that's a cool game. I mean, Man. you're doing the marathon. There's something that pops up. I'm like, I know we've played this before, but I, I always forget about it. The first
0: it. marathon, we play Eliminator, Bo- Eliminator Boat Duel. Oh, that's a fantastic game. It's a fantastic game. It's like a $4 game. It's a, It's a, a great game. That we didn't even know about really until we started playing. like, Wow, this is a fantastic game. Yeah, you know. So, anyways, yeah. That, that I mean, that's my take on that. Yeah, I think. Mean, I think. I think. I think. When it happens with with anything, you have to just take a step back, breathe, and then play some games. Just play them. I know I can say that. As being that. There's not many
1: more games for me to buy, but I mean, just take a step back and just relax and then look around and realize that you probably haven't touched fucking 90% of what you have. If If you're a collector who's gotten to the point who says that the Nintendo is no longer fun because of the price, that means you've bought up the bottom 400 games that didn't catch you anything, cost you anything. Have you played them? Have you had fun with them? Have you done anything besides buy them and look at them? I don't like that accusing look you're giving me right now. You know. That's an accusing like, look I'm giving everyone. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's easy for me to give it to you. I played all these for the marathon. I damn know. It. Shut up. That's I'm my not Santa Grace. You, but you know, <laughs> sit down and play what you have. Like there's, there's it's not just that. There are, and there are still places to find deals. It's not all eBay. No, it's not. I, and
0: I know there's a billion more times. Uh, I'm just, I don't, you know, I'm. Someone told me, or I saw the term scalping versus reselling. Scalping's perfect because. If you sell, that's fine. If you scalp, you're an asshole. There's so many more game scalpers than there used to be yeah. that puffed up the past four years. There's ways around that still. There's still people. There's still... You, you go out to these conventions, Retro Gaming Expo, there's probably... Well, there's the Midwest Gaming Classic Expo. There's a ton of these things. Uh, there's one in Seattle. You can find people there to trade with, or you find good deals. You actually find people willing to get rid of their doubles for cheap, you know. But
1: you realize that you know bubbles and and things like this rise and fall, so... Hey, you know what? Play the good games you've got. Go and fill in the, the blanks of your sports games that no one wants. And then when the prices start to fall a little bit more, get in and get the stuff that you wanted to get. Like, I don't know. You don't have to give up on collecting just because things are getting expensive. Look to imports. You know, Famicom games, a lot cheaper than Nintendo games. Uh, PC Engine games, rising in price a little bit, but still considerably cheaper than most Turbo games. Like, sure. there are so, you know, if, if it's not for a collection, if it's not for a set, there are still plenty of ways that you can. Enjoy your hobby. There's always, there's always a Batman you can get for like three dollars. Such a good game. There's
0: always a Batman you can get. It's one of the best games on the system, and it's not, it's not Little Samson. I'd rather play this than Little Samson. Sorry, would, but
1: three dollars. Kabuki Quantum Fighter. I'll meet you in the middle.
0: Kabuki Quantum Fighter.
1: Yeah, I totally forget what that game is. Isn't it? <laughs> you whip with your red hair. That's <laughs> that's right. You love that game. We always play it. With it has part. a freaking bizarre ass aesthetic. Anyways, so yeah, that's so there I mean, we go. We we talk about this stuff all the time, but uh, there's kind of the last I'll, word on a lot of it. I love John Gamester. Oh, love seeing my convention.
0: I talk on the phone sometimes. Haven't in a while, but I think I think I mean his collecting part, I think I think he's just gotta
1: go back to the library. Go back to the library, play some games, have fun with it. Make yourself some popcorn and some chocolate milk and sit down and grab a stack of games and play. Just play. Just play. Just that's play. that's the message for today. Alright. <laughs> Yeah, we have to start and pick and choose just because we get a lot of questions, and uh, if we don't answer your question, no offense, but chances are if we skip your question, it's probably because we've answered it in a past yes. Q&A session. This
0: is a good one. Um, okay, we'll start with okay. We'll start with this one first. This is from at Foxhounder1014. He writes for The Punk Effect. Oliver, hey Oliver. Uh, this is for you real quick. I don't care uh, about this series. I don't. I mean, it's fun, but whatever. Right, what are your opinions on the Metal
1: Gear series? It's personally my favorite of all time, especially Metal Gear Solid 3. Um I really liked Metal Gear Solid 1. I loved it when it came out. Um I f- have not really played much of the series after that. I think what Kojima was doing, especially back then, not so much now but especially back then with the way he worked his narratives and constantly tricked the players was very, very clever. I keep telling myself that one of these days I'm going to go buy the complete Metal Gear set that you can get for PS3. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play them all and I'm going to enjoy them. Will I ever actually do it? No, probably not. But I do respect the games. I just, they don't ever enter my, my queue. By the way, he's writing a fictional
0: uh, sort of Metal Gear series on the site right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Narrative first one's out. It's good. Cool. Check it out on the Punk Effect from at Foxhounder. Ten fourteen. This is from from Jaron. Hey, Jaron, this could be a little mini topic. Mini topic. Um, how crude is too crude when it comes to video game humor? <laughs> We're talking beyond Duke Nukem Okay, I'll answer this by this. Uh, I'll just say in general, comedy or whatever. I'm a, of the uh, of the opinion stance that it's either all acceptable or none of it. I think if you you can you can tell jokes in a way as long as it's funny, it's funny. If it's not, that's your problem. Um, when it comes to video games. Video games is a different medium than comedy, though, um, because there's more involved than just... It's more interactive. But honestly, I, I don't i don't
1: care about crude humor if it's done well. If it's done well, it's fine. If it's not done well, it's not fine. Yeah. that's what it comes down to. I don't give a shit about c- crude humor. It's when it's not done well that... its The problem with crude humor is is when it falls flat, all you're left yeah. with is crude. When, yes. a, when a normal joke falls flat, well, whatever, it just falls. So, you know, you look at something like Duke Nukem Forever where it was just garbage you know it makes the game worse and then you look at something but that like, would have been garbage regard, regardless of the humor right the humor could been yeah i look at a game like um shadows of the damned and it didn't suffer because of its humor it suffered just because i didn't feel like it was completely fleshed out but the humor wasn't spot on like normally in suda 51's games you know even if things are crude like there's some thought to it or whatever but like it just fell flat if i guess that's the end of it if crude humor falls flat you feel like the game was written by a 7 year old if it's actually funny, though, I don't know. I have no problem with it. We're all we're we're adults. You can make a good piss or fart joke, and I'm gonna laugh. But if you make a shitty one, yeah. If, if you're gonna offend, just make sure you're funny. Yeah, I guess is rule. That, that that's, that's that's really the little, main that, that, rule. That's, that's if you're really gonna, really gonna be general. offensive, you better make damn sure you're funny about exactly.
0: it. Exactly.
1: Um, this is from
0: at Jace Nacarado. Nacarado, Rado. Nacarado, um, This is a quicker one. One game you still cannot beat to this day that you struggled
1: for when you were younger. Um, you know, I still can't, can't one credit complete R-Type, and that drives me fucking nuts. That sounds tough. R-Type. R-Type's tough. It is. I've You're made shipping. it all the way to... I can make it all the way to, like, level 5 on, like, one ship, and then I completely fall apart.
0: No, I feel bad, Ian. Uh, for me, I can't really figure it out. I I, I think I've gotten I've gotten better at some games. I've gotten better throughout my, my aged youth. I gotten better at my Titus Punch Out, but worse at Ninja Gaiden somehow? Not sure how that works, but that's that's what's happened. Not sure what to think about that. Huh. Alright, um this is from at Mega Five K, she's in the chat right now. What do you think about Nintendo making a YouTube channel aimed towards girls in gaming? Do you think that it's sexist? I've not heard about this.
1: I think it's really, really kind of misguided. I don't know. It's this just. of more than sexist? It's just. Well, it's sexist, too. It's just weird. I don't like. It's the whole fucking what, thing is, is, is weird. Is it going to pink with kittens? It's all over? really, really, it's really over the top girly. And it's like, you don't understand, Nintendo. Like, you're seen as this, like, clean squeaky kind of all-inclusive area where I've never once thought of Nintendo as being for boys or girls, you know? Never, never once, not even in my yeah. most sexist. I look at, like, the Xbox 360, right? And I see a bunch of fat fucking slobs shoving Doritos <laughs> in their goddamn mall playing something, right? And I'm like, man, girls don't play this. And I'm like, man, that's sexist. Of course girls play it. But I've never thought that about Nintendo. I was look at Nintendo. I'm like, anyone plays Nintendo? Why? Because Nintendo's always portrayed themselves as yeah, being more open, Lemarion, by actually going so far to make a girl's channel for Nintendo. I think that's got that. It's weird at the very least, impossibly alienating. I don't know. I mean, maybe someone else will chime in. I, I think it's it. strange. Could this be a full topic next week or next time? I don't know. The thing is, that I've heard and I haven't looked at a lot of it. Is um, I guess it is aimed at like younger, like younger, like girls, like like kids, like preteens and teens. And maybe, maybe that's more interesting to them, but I still feel like the, declina- the the dividing of gender was never something that Nintendo needed to do. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, the Mario and Zelda games are big examples of games that appeal to everyone. There's no there's no age limits, there's no se- right. sex limits. And, and just like I said, there's and... no
1: sex limit on enjoying Halo or, or Call of Duty or anything like that, but I especially never thought there's... of that with, with Nintendo.
0: Right, well, maybe they're, they're that desperate. But their sales of four Wii U's last year Our next question which gaming friend this is from at cartridge brothers which gaming franchise if canceled retire would have the biggest impact on gaming today that's an interesting question that's a very tough question
1: i, I, I don't have, I have, that's not easy to answer here's the I, problem let basically,
0: basically say what's the biggest what's the most influential one
1: so i guess here's my issue a lot of the bigger ones that i think would have been easy answers years ago have already you know dug their own graves so for instance it would have been really easy to say that like final fantasy back when seven or eight came out right Mm -hmm. but no one takes final fantasy seriously anymore the the, the game series is a joke you could say mario brothers but and that's 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 close but at this point the influence has been taken from mario like like i think the i think everything that people want to learn from mario has been absorbed so if mario disappeared now mario disappeared now it's not like mario's teaching anyone new tricks there's so. still, I mean, there's still great Mario games being made, and no one else is making platformers quite, quite like that. But I think its influence is, is no longer. I think gaming. I think the best answer is there's so, so many games on so many consoles. I don't think
0: getting rid of one will matter, because there's so many. Plus, there's so many ones that are, that are like others.
1: I mean, that's that's really tough. That's really tough to, tough question. It's, it's weird too because you don't see people, you don't see people rallying around one title like you used to. When Final Fantasy VII came out, for instance. Everyone bought it. Mm I mean, I mean, in my high school, everyone got it, whether they were sports gamers or nerds. It was the game to get. That was the game to get. You don't see a lot of games like that now. Even though people go crazy about something like Grand Theft Auto Five, there's still a whole group of people who are just never going to pick that up. So I don't know. It's tough. It it is a good question. I think if you furthered it, and and if if you remove the games, if you removed an entire franchise's influence, yes. That's, a, that's that's the a, a thing. That's a more important. That's question. the thing. The
0: influence of, of GTA is one of the biggest. Right.
1: The influence of GTA yeah.
0: would be huge. But so if, but, if you, but that's already there. You already have all the copycats and games right. that are like that, like Saints Row. So, Saint so if you it's if, already
1: there, if you add a little bit to the to the question, and you just say you eliminate all their influence as well, I'd say GTA and Mario Brothers would be two of the bigger ones. I don't even like GTA, but it, I mean I'm not going to say its influence is yeah. is not there because it is it's probably huge. the most influential game of the past. 15 of the 3D era probably Mario 64 I didn't like it that opened up 3D worlds then you got GTA which gave you true open world there you have it so we 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 turn that question around (laughs)
0: yeah Uh, he gets one question House of Cards oh he gets both fine House of Cards season 2 yes I love House of Cards season 1 Netflix excellent series I need to watch it Uh, are you this is from Shipwreck underscore zero zero are you guys fans of the Dreamcast if so what's the game that sticks out most for you I'm a huge fan of the Dreamcast. Dreamcast I like it it's the right.
1: game that sticks out the most for me is Jet, Jet Set Radio. Great game. Um, it's probably the only game that I've beaten more than ten times. Really? You never oh, told me that. I had the import version, beat it like like seven or eight times, got the US I version, love, beat I, I, it a couple times, and then beat the, went back the and beat the Japanese version more and I'll times. say it
0: again. The reason I consider Dreamcast the last retro system is because the last one that had its games displayed in an arcade and vice versa. Sure. Uh, games like Crazy Taxi, I can play it at so much. It's so fun. Soul Calibur was... The first time I saw Soul Calibur on a TV and had it look exactly like the arcade, I was like, holy shit.
1: Oh, and Fantasy Star Online is huge. I mean, that was the first console game that... It was the first console RPG that you could go online. Like, that game sticks out so much in my head to the fact that we're still playing clones of it to this day. Like, I just got a game in the mail, Gundam Breaker, the other day that is a Fantasy Star Online clone only plays Gundam models. Like, so there's a lot of games that started on that system that, you know, stick out for me. This is at X Files
0: Ninety Nine. The debate of biblical proportions is happening in a Facebook group. Which games do you include when considering complete NES collection? It's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. When, Be- when, because when you- some people don't include unlicensed games. Some people include unlicensed games. Some some people only include the Tension games because the only games you can find are Toys R Us. You know, whatever the hell you want. Some people include Nintendo World Championships. Some people don't. Some people, I I personally include any game that was available via retail. Stores. So that means, via retail, I don't include Flintstone's Dinosaur Peak even, because that was not available in Toys R Us. I don't include the Panesian games. You couldn't find those for sale anywhere. You can only find those in a CD uh,
1: rental store. Yeah. You know, so I don't include the NWC carts. So I include games I own. It doesn't matter to me. Because I have a very different take on collecting, your collection is done when the compulsion stops itching. Exactly. That's part of it, too. If I wanted the same events, I'd have one by now. Right. I would have bought it.
0: I would have bought the same events... Five years ago, or four years when I finished, when I really finished up my collection in February 2010, when I re- finished it up, finished it up then, or was, yeah, 2010, uh, I could have got a stadium event then for like whatever six, seven hundred dollars, right. a thousand. I would have done it then. I, I I didn't feel the need to because I not only hate the game, I don't want it. So I mean, much.
1: if you want to really know what is considered a full set of retail releases, there, there's hard numbers you can find online. But my opinion is just when when you're done having fun, your collection is done.
0: Hey Ian at Radical at Gigantor 1313 Hey guy Hey Ian Oh hi Hi you I know you now <laughs> What's your experience and thoughts on the Wonderswan any cool exclusive games for it
1: Um, Very little but there was a pretty neat Guilty Gear the second one I think was pretty decent There's a Klonoa game for it that was pretty good um, and those limited edition uh, Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Wonderswan colors they did were pretty badass
0: at Ray Peterson 24, Pat, ever wanted to work at Luna for fun? Would you be employee of the month? Ian thoughts on, on Pat being his go-to sales rep. Shit can, <laughs> day one. I think someone suggested I should work there for a day. I would. I would honestly do that. Um, Two-tweet question. Uh-oh. During the early episodes of Pat the Animus Punk videos, how long did it take for fans to realize you weren't just a AVGN clone? And was instead someone who had an alternate approach to reviewing NES games. I'm still wondering that. Um, pff, I mean, that's a weird question because, because yeah, you st- I still have people say, "Oh, AVG ripoff!" on like a video last week. Um, I don't know. It probably, honestly, the, the probably uh, delineation point was uh, really. It's kind of weird. You kind of look at my videos in a way that the first two years is a is one segment, and then it kind of jumps off when I when I moved here. Which was only a year in, but after that first year, I still was editing videos I shot here. And then I went to SGC 2010. And if SGC is inviting you to have a panel, they, you're not an AVGN clone, because he was the face of, of Screw Attack still in 2010. Right. James. So maybe that's the point. As uh, seen as Destroyer, who's monitoring the chat. Hey Matt, what are your favorite LGN games? What up, Matt? Uh, Punisher, Wooden Water Rage, if we're talking NES, Alien 3's uh, really good on the Super Nintendo, NES, not as much. Off the top of my head, Crowded Kid. I really like Crowded Kid. I really don't think it's that awful.
1: Um, I guess that would be mine.
0: At Duke Jaywalker 22, uh, what do you want to happen to your game slash record collection if you should suddenly and tragically die? Well, that's a nice thought. Auction off piece by piece for charity or left with a trusted caretaker to be kept intact for all time?
1: Uh, I would leave it with someone I cared about. I wouldn't really want them sold off. For charity, that's a good thing, but here's the deal. My records aren't going to get much for charity. Just being my records, it's not going to increase the, the value. So I know people who like my music taste. You know, uh, Vani, my fiancé, really likes a lot of them. I'd rather they just went with her, you know. Um, if, if they could be put to good use for charity, I'd be okay with that. I just don't want them sold off at a garage sale or binned.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I want a, a collector that really knows to have
1: it. Yeah, I, I, I want so, them to mean
0: whoever they mean something to. That's why I want to have them. Except for my M82 which is going in my in my grave. Alright. Uh, <laughs> I'll go faster here. Uh, this is from Ed So Dawson. Do you consider the DuckTales gold cart Capcom made for the remaster release to be an official cart slash measurement? No. Because no. it's, it's not it's, it's a DuckTales game. No it's not even a DuckTales game. What am I talking about? What are you talking about? You're talking about the gold cart. The one they came out with last year, right? For the release. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, 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 it's actually DuckTales. But they they
0: cannibalize real DuckTale uh, cars. No, 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 that's right. right. It's a reproduction board. That's right. They got a repro board. So yeah, it's not, it's a repro game. No, I don't, I don't count that at all. Do I think it's It's an official release. Do I
1: think it's cool? Yeah. Do I think it's ever going to go for money? Unfortunately, is it at all part of a Nintendo collection? No.
0: You'll be like this one. At Zach Attack 1984 What's the deal with Nintendo Age? They bite your head off. If you say anything bad about Seal slash VGA collectors, and they always argue. Well, a lot of them are dicks. Some are cool. I'm not going to say that. I, I
1: met some, some cool guys like Justin uh, Penguin. Great guys in Nintendo Age. Some are just Lincoln. assholes. Lincoln's, look, Just you know, walk away. Just walk away from that shit. Don't get involved in those discussions. It's not worth it. Here's Have your the thing. opinion and leave. They're, they're, they're arguing with thing about sealed slash VGA uh, stuff because
0: that's what they see their, their nest egg being, is sealed games. A lot of those guys, they're not video game collectors. A lot of those are guys that came from the world of sports cards, of sports cards, toys, investments compels, in general, and other investments that are vultures that are coming to video games and trying to make that their new piece of their monetary gain. Right, just Call it like it
1: is. Just because some of these people are on a board called Nintendo Age does not mean they know anything about video games. No. It means that this is a place they know where they can go get info on what they're, they're buying, selling, and trading. They know how to take a game They
0: want to find a sealed game on eBay, buy the game for 50 bucks, send it away, get slabbed, and try to flip it for 400. That's what they know. That's where their knowledge begins and ends. They know price trends. They don't know shit about video games. Yeah. Next question. Yo, can't find the link of the CU podcast. Oh, well. (laughs) Hmm. At Gara at my desert. Helen. Helen. V-Day is over. Mm -hmm. But who's your favorite and least favorite video game couple? Even non-gaming related, if you wish. That's a tough one. Video... I never bought the Mario Princess
1: Toadstool thing for a second. Yeah, that's kind of like my least favorite video game. Never couple. bought it. Um, Driver and Car from City Connection. Wait, there's a couple in there? Driver and Car. Oh, you mean the combination? Yeah. Cat and Windshield? Cat and Windshield. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've played RPGs. Oh, oh, Okay. Potential spoiler coming up about Final Fantasy 9. Oh, oh Ready? Ready? Okay. 10 seconds. Well, Favorite video game couple is Vivi and Queena when they have their mock wedding in Final Fantasy 9. I know nothing about Final Fantasy That's fine. Okay,
0: spoiler over. Okay. Uh, well, This is from Jonathan 329 What are your thoughts on South Park The Sake of Truth? I think it's going to be excellent when it finally gets released. It's been delayed what, a full year? House uh, has come out last year. They actually they actually made fun of it on South Park a few weeks uh the whenever the last episodes aired, they actually referenced it at the end because they had a three-part Game of Thrones episode yeah. and referenced it saying it'll come out eventually. I think it's going to be cool. Uh, because there's been so many references to fantasy stuff on that show in the past, I think they're fans of that genre. They're writing, they're writing it themselves, and, and have a lot. I think the, of the writing song. is
1: going to be good. I think that they they have enough interest in that sort of material, video games, that their hearts are going to be in the right yes, place. They've done multiple I, video game episodes. On South Park. I think yeah. that because it got bounced from studio to studio because of delays. I do have concerns about how it's actually going to play. But I think if you're a fan of South Park and RPGs in general, it's not going to be worthless to you. I think you're going to have fun with it.
0: I think it's something I would pick up. Is it going to come out on current-gen consoles? Yeah, next month. And I'll probably pick it up, too. I think I will. The first new game I bought in four years. Uh, Hey, Pat, what's your favorite Dungeons & Dragons games that came out for the NES? Wow, well... God, I always have trouble differentiating them. I love Dragon Strike because it's an action game. It's 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 kitschy, you know. I don't know the difference between Hillsfar and the other one. You know,
1: Hillsfar has some interesting ideas. Uh, none of them are really. One's a dungeon crawler. One's a regular RPG. Right, and one's and one's a, one one's an action game. One is Heroes of the Lands, which is. Obtuse and ridiculous <laughs> uh, And then I think it's Pools of Radiance Is more of a traditional Dungeon crawler Is that the one that's a Dungeon crawler And then Hillsfire Is a mixture of things Okay Hillsfire is interesting Which is the
0: one That has you going on horses and horse Hillsfire is
1: That's one kind of That's the Hillsfire. mixture of, the, of it Okay That's Definitely interesting Um I don't remember it Being particularly great Uh At Squirrel Mafia
0: Which has the better sequel DuckTales or Rescue Rangers Cocktails, hands down. And a couple more. Um, at C Jonathan 0329. have you played bravely default yet? And if so, did you like it? I have not. I I keep seeing the name of this game, and I don't think I've seen one sh- sh- video shot of it. It's of Final
1: that. Fantasy Returns. It's 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 basically it's Square's fun. new Final. It's 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 Square's new RPG that will probably be a series where they get to do Final Fantasy things in it, while Final Fantasy continues to. It's older Final Fantasy. Right? Yeah, basically. It's, it's, Final, um, it's Final Fantasy from the SNES era, basically. It, well, PlayStation One, on Era Two. Like okay. it, it's 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 more of a traditional JRPG. I really want to play it. Uh, there's a lot that came out this week that I really want to play. I don't have time to play everything, I want, but I really want to play like Bravely Default, Danganronpa on the Vita. Um, I want to play Earth Defense Force 2025. Now's a good time to be into. Now's a good time to have some handhelds. And our
0: last question at Pie Lover. One, three, two, five. Who doesn't love pie? Ever plan on having quests on the podcast? <laughs> Should we have some quests? The quest for Pat's missing Mr. Gimmick card at this point that's driving me nuts. The quest what? for sobriety? The quest for sobriety? The quest for ending this before 10.30? Which we're going to do this podcast.
1: Um, I, I think that was probably meant to be guests. Oh. That makes it. <laughs> I think her, I the quest you is funnier. I do, I do, too. <laughs> I, don't, at this I want to have guests. Right we've answered this question in brief before, and I'll say the same thing. I don't want to have guests right now. I like that it's as simple as it is with us, too. I think we play off each other well enough. I get to get out of work, come have a beer, and we're done. I think guests would be fun, but it's not something I'd want to do regularly. No, And a, it's going to make it a bigger hassle. Yes, because we we are on the
0: West Coast, and we start late. Because, yes. Ian, you work. And so, if we have someone on the East Coast, it's midnight for them when we start. Right. And then there's a setup. you got to get them hooked in on Skype. That's the only way to do it. I've actually heard, I've actually thought about having people calling in via Skype and setting up an account, but we don't have anyone to screen them. So, we can have a Joker come on and do whatever. So, it's, it's a little complicated having more, unless, unless you have a producer help you. A lot of the big podcasts, like Steve Austin's cat, cat podcast, the Joe Rogan experience, the huge ones, they have guys behind the scenes. They have at least one or two people helping out produce the show. Yeah. It's me producing this on the fly. You know, that's why people say, why are you always on the computer? I'm monitoring the chat. I'm monitoring make sure we're streaming. I'm monitoring you stream. I'm monitoring the topic. So, like,
1: to have someone else help me out would be great. I should rephrase. I'm not anti-guest, but we would definitely need help for it to work out. And I would only want to do it at most, like, once uh, oh. once every few podcasts. Unless we did a special time when it wasn't on the regular podcast and we sort of
0: spliced it in and showed people. doing. You know what I mean? Like, something like that where it was like a one-off. That's fine.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get there. It's just right now, I I like where we're at. And people, I mean, I appreciate that people enjoy the podcast, but we're, I mean, we're still pretty young for a podcast. It's been six months. So probably 12 All episodes. Months. You know, I mean... More than that. It's been more than It's been like
0: six months. Oh, you're right. No, it's been more than that, I think. August, September, October,
1: November, December. January. Whatever. Math whatever. is for losers. Um, I can't count. Yeah, maybe 12 episodes. You know, I mean, <laughs> once we get a bit more situated, then yeah, maybe... Alright, we, 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 we're cool. We got through this. Do the CU
0: Podcast End and Dance. <laughs> Alright. With that, with that said, we're going to see you guys in uh, two weeks' time. We'll, we will see you on Wednesday, March 5th, if you want to come here live. Remember, hashtag CU Podcast. We'll have uh, this on the site. The next day, which will be Thursday, and then we'll have clips on YouTube throughout the week. We don't like put them all at once because we don't want to saturate YouTube,
1: folks. They'll get pissed. So, do you ever do reviews anymore? No, I don't. The comment section is pretty hilarious on some of those. People are like, why is my f- feed full? Because you, 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 can, you subscribe to <laughs> him. <laughs> you subscribe to him so therefore you get what you, he puts you, out.
0: You can subscribe if you want, you know. This is, this is one of my first things I did. Didn't I did a radio show for three years in college. For two and a half years. But uh I talked to myself for three years around college time wish that was a joke. And with that, we're going to see you next time. For Ian Ferguson, my name is Pat Contry. Have a pleasant e- evening. Finish your cerveza. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Um...